Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that is so, so looking forward to what Sharon has to say about persuasion this week. Yeah. <laughs> my, my name is Tosin and I am the host up, up, in, uh, up in Midlands in the UK. And joining me as always on the Isle of Wight is the aforementioned Sharon Bolland. Hello. Yeah, I can hear the knife sharpening already. <laughs> joining, <laughs> us, joining us from Bournemouth is Sean. Sean Hi, Harris, Bugman, yeah. yes. And joining us from London is our London, London correspondent, Holly, Holly Neslin. How are you? Hi. Right, okay, Hi, first of all... Uh, first of all, okay, with everything that's been going on this week, I'm not, if you've not, we are all based in the UK, and if you're not aware, in the UK we have had record temperatures this week. So the first thing to do when you speak to anybody is, are you guys doing okay? Did you guys survive the heat wave? Yes. Yes. And fan air conditioning. I, I was I was on the beach. Oh, someone <laughs> just wants to come. Is it all right if someone just comes and says hello? Okay. Okay. This is my little nephew Charlie. Hello, hello, Charlie. Hello, hello Charlie. Say hello to you. How oh, are yeah. you? Yes, All right. There he, we, there he is. Right. We better get on with. Get hi, on. Charlie. We're having hello, we're having a, a visitors a visitor. Okay, that's it. I think we've all had we've all had people really visitors. He, he really wanted to say hello. Sorry about that. <laughs> nah, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. All right. So, Sean, you said you were on the beach. I'm guessing you were having memories of Thailand. Yes, definitely. I've been, even text. I've got there's a couple of buddies that I've got over there, American guy and the Canadian guy and a Hong Kong guy, and we've got a little WhatsApp group. And I took a picture and was like, yeah, and they're like, oh wow, looks good. But get back here soon. So, <laughs> so yeah. yes. So so for those of you who might be listening, I'm this is my video first time. Sean recently spent quite a bit of time in Thailand, and if we and I like to think that we were the only reason he came back. So, <laughs> I like That's to think... a lot to do with it. I missed you guys because the time difference was so much, and the, the couple to... of times that I did get on there, it was like two o'clock in the morning or whatever. Yes, I like. I like to think that we we fought we fought a, a, a valiant battle with the beaches of Koh Samui, and we we just pulled Sean back. We pulled once they thought he was out, we pulled him back we in. Won. We uh, won. Yes, yes. All right. So this is another week in which. We haven't managed to see anything in the cinemas, and this is and this isn't just me being lazy because I mean the only thing I could probably or could possibly go see was Minions: Rise of Gru. But with the aforementioned heat wave and knowing that my local cinema doesn't necessarily have air conditioning, it was not something I was looking forward to. <laughs> and then with life and everything changing, I was told in no uncertain terms that I need to sit at home and be a responsible husband and father and not go to this. <laughs> not... Would Kemi not like to go to the cinema with you in the cool? Oh. Oh, oh, well, well, that's the problem with the that's the problem with the cinema. This cinema that we are, I don't think has any air conditioning. But but the fact is, even Sean, if Sean couldn't find something in the cinema to watch this week, and that makes me feel better. That makes me feel validated because if Sean cannot find something in the cinema to watch in that week, there is probably nothing worth watching in this week in cinema. Nobody's released anything, although next week is looking, I mean, next couple of weeks are looking help, hopeful. We're going to have Nope from Jordan Peele. We're going to have Bullet Train, which looks like Brad Pitt having fun. Which So there's there's a couple of films coming up. There's a couple of films coming up. I am hoping to catch The Railway Children. So I am hoping to, to see that, the revisited Railway Children. The Railway Children, Children returned. Yes. Uh, I'm, is not, that... I'm not sure. I... I'll, I'll probably get to see it because there won't be much else on, I don't think. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I just don't. I just don't expect anything small and British to come to my local cinema because apparently they don't like British films. They only like big blockbusters if, and Americans are those. But anyway, before so we're we're gonna have another episode where we're just gonna be talking about what we've seen at home because so Netflix has won this week, hands down already. But before we do that, we have Feedback Corner, where we put our reviews up on YouTube and put them up on Facebook. Every now and then, people get back in touch and tell us what they thought about our reviews or whether they agreed or not. And we have two things here. We have one for Elvis and one for The Long Road to War. So, Sean, I mean, you reviewed both both of these. Yes. Elvis, I think um, Sharon got, in, got involved with that as well. And um, um, we had a, a comment from a YouTube channel called To Hell With War that just says, it's a great documentary. We're talking about the long road to war. So yes. that's, yeah, I agree with you, Sean. And we have, and we've had one on that Elvis review. And all this is a guy called Stephen Pom Pomeroy. And all he's just said is, brilliant movie! Exclamation mark. <laughs> that's all he said about Elvis. So Phil, Phil validated that you guys, yes, people out there agree with what you said. So we're going to carry on now with what it is we have seen at home. And I think each one of us has at least one thing that we have seen at home. And as I've already said before, we do have, for me, the piece de resistance of this episode, which is Sharon talking about persuasion on Netflix. Ooh, I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> oh, look at Sharon. Oh, my word. You can see it. Your nostrils are flaring already. Your face is getting... <laughs> If this was a Tex Avery cartoon, there'll be a valve in your head with steam coming out of it. <laughs> but because Sean, Sean, you have to go always over. So you this week you saw The Boy season three, and yeah. and you wanted to, you wanted to talk about The Boy season three. I've also seen this, but I'll let you take it away. Tell us a little bit about The Boy season three. We'll kick off there. Okay. What was the, well, well, what is this all about? Yeah. Well, The Boys for for people who aren't aware, it's it's basically a superhero team, I suppose, across between Justice League and Avengers. With yes so-called superheroes um who who uh should we say or a few of them are not particularly superheroes they're not really really nice characters yep. and there's this other group of people called the boys that, that are trying to take them down and bring them down and so you've got like these two groups um and lines are very blurred lines are very gray but one of the one of the great things about about it is they are so so based on comic characters and even their, and, and even that dc mcu universe and i mean they make no bones about it you know like you've got homelander who's, who's definitely superman oh, homelander is obviously superman there's there's no superman. About that. yeah and in this last series in this in this series three uh you introduce to a new character called soldier boy now soldier boy <laughs> can we say he carries a shield he gets you know uh, experimented on by Russians, and uh, you know, which he, also it's, it's basically he, he, he takes, tells he tells he tells it, stories about he tells stories about, about storming the beaches of Normandy yeah. and leading and like so, a charge. He, he's totally based, obviously, on Captain America with yeah. a bit of Bucky Barnes or a bit of the Winter Soldier because he looks so he's a cross between the Winter Soldier and and uh, Captain America, and there's no bones about it, is there? Really? Yeah, there's Just no there's like, no bones like, about it. Yeah. That character. And you've got a character like Aquaman, you know, Aquaman called the Deep. Oh, the Deep. Just like, oh God. Totally, totally. Oh, and I mean, the... this is bear in mind. This is a real adult, and there's some, <laughs> yeah, the Deep. So you've got the Deep, um, and you've got uh, what's it? A Train. The A Train is definitely uh... like cross between the Flash or Quick. Anyway, so they're, they're, these characters are all based on other characters, and in this third series, basically, the boys, those guys you see in the background there. 
they're yep. the group that are trying to take the soups down, yeah? So basically, yep. they're, they're like the group that uh, try. They haven't particularly got any powers. They gain some powers in this one through, through, what do they call through, it? Through, 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 through means, through means, through yeah, temp, yeah. temp V. Through means, yeah. So, and some of them, uh, they're just like normal people. The, the, the girl there, you see, she's got a, a bit of few powers. But anyway, so they try to take the others down. And uh, in this series, you get Soldier Boy appears. And basically, Homelander has been so, what should we say, totally impervious, really. He's, he's, he's basically a god that can do anything. And he's, it, yeah. his mind's going a little bit, and he's thinking, you know, I could just totally... If I wanted to, I could destroy. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like he's like I'm a god, and I don't know why I'm and why I'm having to listen to all these people because they're all yeah, beneath what, me. What, what, I could I could kill them all in like a second. Yeah, I could kill them why? All in like seconds. Yeah, it's and, like why, and, why should I listen to any of them? Yeah, and I mean in, in the first series he did some really really nefarious stuff as well, which yeah. the company bought the company bought, which I guess uh, developed these superheroes. Huge company covers it all up with yeah. you know oh yeah this you know when there's big explosions. And uh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 on, that, oh, this was caused by an earthquake, or this was caused by terrorists blowing up, and it wasn't and anything it, to do with that. It was it actually was their different. version of Superman, who was actually just going around causing all these things. They were causing all these things, but they, the, the the company was covering them all up. So yeah, so that's what this story is. You've got a, a character that is equal to Homelander. So Soldier Boy is equal to Homelander. Basically, he's got the same powers, and these boys behind recruiting to do a job on Homelander to take but then there's a few I'm not going to say what the twists are but there's a few yeah, plot yeah. twists and a few you know well, things I, I think, uh, I, I think, I think please. yeah you take over for a bit well wait, the, the thing with the boys is that the boys is multi-layered so on the one on the one level it's extremely puerile it's extremely puerile and it's a really really gory and it's kind of like if you can think about it's like you know People is someone who essentially because the guy who originally wrote the boy, the boys Garth Garth Ennis he said himself that he does not like superheroes he doesn't like the idea of superheroes and his thesis is superheroes if they existed they would be like celebrities and as entitled as celebrities are as bratty as celebrities are imagine all those things but imagine them with god level powers how is this a good thing and so he goes and he goes all out to show how bad this would be and in the, and this the TV show carries on from the comics and showing you how bad it would be the number of people that get killed because two celebrities are having uh, two superheroes are having a fight and all that sort of stuff but the TV show is multi-layered and on the one level is puerile and it's sort of like almost jackass level kind of show and the other level it is satire that is sat and the levels of satire between this thing because for instance the company Vought that controls these superheroes is almost a satire on Marvel and DC themselves. Yeah, they have yeah. all these superheroes, and then they make only, only. But there's this level. That, so you think, okay, now are they satirizing Marvel and DC? Are they satirizing the comics? Are they satirizing people's reactions to the comics? Are they satirizing people's reactions to the Marvel cinematic universe? And there's all these different levels of what they're doing. And I've stopped trying to figure out exactly what yeah. they're satirizing. Yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. I just know. I know. Okay, I get what they're doing. I get the, I get the satire that they're doing, and I know, I know what level it's at. And, and so, so there's all these different levels that go in there. So even what Sean has said, 
Sean has said quite a bit about what happens in this thing, but there's still so much more in there. There's so, so much, much more. So much more. <laughs> there's yeah. so much so more much in there. More. there, really, there really is. There is a particular. I mean, Sharon. I mean, you've never watched The Boys, have you? Oh no, you you have. Watched I the... I did watch the first two seasons. Yes. The first two seasons. Okay, then in that case, I feel like about five minutes into the first episode of the third season, I have to give you a warning. Just <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I have to give you a warning because even by the boys' standards, you have seen some, you've seen some crazy stuff. You've seen some crazy stuff in previous in you previous seasons. But even by they they put something on screen that the the creator of the show Eric Kripke he put himself and said that this has never this is something that they've outdone themselves to show something that has never. It's crazy and has never been seen on screen before. Yeah. And yeah. when you think yeah. about it, yeah. it, it is it is kind of crazy. And I don't and don't want to spoil it. There is an episode called episode six. It's called Herogasm, which um, I thought was going to be the crazy episode. And quite frankly, it's a bit tame. <laughs> it's <Okay>. compared <laughs> co co compared to what Herogasm was like in the comics, which is what comics, I have in my head. Right. Yeah, it's a bit tame. But it's right. but but I think that the the boys also does this whole thing because it has gone it has strayed well away from the comics now. It has gone away. Yeah. But every now and then you can see an element of a comic that's coming back in where they've given a line or they've given a purpose to another character or they've changed what one character does to anything or they've. And you can see how they've changed it, but I think they keep the same heart of it, which is there's a line where Mother's Milk, who is behind Sean, he is the one in the middle. Mother, yeah, Mother's Milk, he's the one in the middle, the black guy. And he says, he says the, the, the point of the boys is that nobody should have these powers. Yeah. And then, yeah. and they have, and that stays in the heart where these people say these people shouldn't have these powers because these powers only lead to bad things happening, to bad things happening to people. So almost everybody, yeah. it, almost everybody in the boys has a personal reason why they want to fight against superheroes because superheroes have killed somebody that they know, so killed someone that they love, and have never answered for it. So mm, superheroes, are, so yeah. superheroes, are, they're, they're this kind of weird merge in this world, a weird merge of a politician and a public figure and the, when they bring social media into it and the way the whole thing works and the way the superheroes even though they might be really really powerful they're still trying to just get a buck because they just want to live like easy lives so they don't really do yes. anything yeah. and it's so i think the show is very clever it's very i clever. think it is yes i agree totally clever i think it's, it's probably the cleverest show you'll ever see that has exploding viscera everywhere yeah yeah <laughs> and and as i say it is it is very you know you do perhaps need a strong stomach shall we say or you do uh, need to have I'd open say, yeah. minds because there's some there's some pretty near the knuckle and visceral scenes in this series yeah um, I, I i think so i think I, and i think i think there, there's a bit of it where they i think they each season they sit down and they go right you know what we did last season we have to top it <laughs> and, and so they, they now start thinking all right cool what could we do with the powers of this person what we could do if somebody had the powers of ant-man how could that go wrong what would, we do? <laughs> what would we do if somebody was like you know aquaman let's go to all aquaman. like let's go it's almost like they go let's go to all the 4chan forums online where people say all sorts yeah, of horrible like, things like, and let's you know, make that yeah. happen <laughs> yeah the octopus yeah, yeah. Oh, the octopus. Sort of oh god <laughs> you know, no no, no, no. Anyway. No, no. Let, let's not even go to the octopus. No, let's, okay, not even, okay. let, let's not go to the octopus. No. Anytime the octopus, like there's a couple of scenes with the octopus and he, no, <laughs> just no. no. <laughs> but, okay. So, so sure. I mean, that's, I think that's about what we can say without giving any spoilers in it. Oh, uh, we, right, good. Yeah. If, especially if you have been following the comics and everything like that that goes on, there's a, oh my God, 
there's even a satire of things that ha- I just remember the satire of you know during COVID, you remember mm. when Gal Gadot, she did this whole video where people were singing Imagine. Yeah. There's a bit where they go for that in this, <laughs> they go for that and it is, it is cringe. It's so so cringe because they 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 satirize that that like almost nobody is safe and the way they do it and the way it's up to date and the way it's clever I think that's the thing that but anyway I'll stop talking Sean okay. how many stars would you give the boys season three Okay on the whole the, the the series on the whole I will have to give I'm going to give it a four star because there's enough in there I think it's very cleverly done like yep. you say there's a lot of layers to it um, some people might find it offensive but. I think oh, on the whole, it's very, very clever. Really, really enjoyed it. It makes no bones about what it is. It's not trying to be any, you know. Uh, and I love, as I say, I, in this series as well, I did like Soldier Soldier Boy. I did think he was a, a good introduction. <laughs> For some strange reason, I don't know why, because he's not particularly nice, it's, but I did like the character because, yeah. you know. There, uh, so I'll, I'm going to give this one a four. I'll give this one a four. I would agree with you. I'll I'll agree with you with a four. I'll agree with you with a four because I think, and you said about some people are going to get offended. I think that the boys is designed to offend. To do that. <laughs> I think yeah. if you have any sort of sensibilities, the boys is designed to at some point offend those to find what those sensibilities are and offend them. And for instance, you know how you said like, you know, Soldier Boy is Captain America. And there's always been this thing and like ever since the MCU started and people said that, oh, Captain America is a boring character. Hang on a second. If Captain America was around during the 1940s, wouldn't he be a racist? Wouldn't he be like out of touch? Wouldn't he be like, you know, misogynistic? Wouldn't he? And essentially Soldier Boy is essentially all those wouldn't he be. So because he's from a different time, because he's been, he was around during the D-Day landings. He was around in the 80s. He's now in the modern day New York. And it's kind of like everything that a granddad who is out of touch because it was okay to say this at the time, that is what <laughs> that is what Soldier Boy is. That's what Soldier Boy is. But yeah, I would give that a four for that. And now we have gotten we have gotten that out. That was like a nice sort of like appetizer. Sean Sean is going to so Sean's going to be the hasty retreat. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Thank you for that. I'll no, no I, problem. I will listen to that because I can see Sharon's just, I mean, I'm going to love it because Sharon doesn't, hopefully she's going to go into a tirade because uh, wait, she doesn't, she's very calm, cool and collective, very measured, but I'm hoping to see her get <laughs> on this one. You can see the face. You can see it I'll coming. I'll see you guys later. I'll see you later, Sean. See you later, Sean. Yeah, because as, as Sean says, Sharon, it, it is, it, I don't think any one of us will argue that Sharon is the nice one. Sharon, Sharon, is, <laughs> Sharon, Sharon is the nice one. Sharon is the one. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I hate to be like you know the 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 stereotypical sort of thing. Like, oh yeah, you have okay. Well, for ages before Holly came and like you know sort of addressed our agenda balance. So like before ages, you had two men and a woman, and it was like the stereotypical thing that the woman was the nice one. And Sharon were and every now and then she's reticent to like you know be too mean about maybe is anything like that. But every now and then something comes along. Something comes along that really gets up Sharon's nose and really, and all that sort of ire that she has saved up that she hasn't used in all these other films gets directed at this one film's Rambo Last Blood. We're looking at you. And now we have found somebody to have to have some, you know, to keep Rambo, Rambo some company on that shelf. And this is Persuasion, Sharon. I'll wound you up. The floor is yours. Go. Let us know what you think. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. 
Where do I start? <laughs> right. I will. I um. Let me just give my credentials. Yes. I am. I, I am a, an admirer of Jane Austen's work, and I have enjoyed many of the film adaptions. So, in some ways, I don't regard myself as being a purist. I mean, that sounds like I'm almost like trying to defend my position later on, but I don't regard myself as a purist. So, I'm, I'm happy that you know. Because Jane Austen spoke about the human condition, she understood the human condition. So I think her books are prime for adapting, for modernising, for, you know, inspiring other things. Bridget Jones' a Diary wouldn't exist without Pride and Prejudice. Clueless wouldn't exist without Emma. Yeah. So there is scope to take that work and then to think, yeah, this underlying all of these issues, it's very modern. And then you get something like Persuasion that comes along that is utter drivel (laughs) (laughs) that they have no understanding of the work they have no appreciation of the tone the feel the themes the dynamic the they have no clue basically what they have read they have I, i would i would describe it as the panto version of persuasion but panto can be entertaining there was nothing entertaining about this film. <laughs> I got exactly one minute, 58 seconds. I timed I paused it to time it before I went to the what have I just seen? <laughs> one minute, 58 seconds. And I'll tell you now, the next however minutes they were, I felt every single one of those minutes. I felt them in my core that I was watching something that was almost diabolical in its creation its execution and its performance let me go into details but without bombarding you basically i <laughs> actually went so far i went so far as to finding my hardback version of persuasion yeah and Anne elliott who is the heroine of persuasion is described literally in the the beginning of the book as someone of great character and as of of elegance of mind and sweetness of character. Now, someone described because of their elegance of mind does not lie on their bed in the middle of the day, stroking a rabbit, drinking red wine straight out of a bottle (laughs) in the first two minutes of the film. Mm. So she's been infantilized because she's obsessed by a rabbit. She's, well she's self-pitying because she's moping around seven years after the end of this pivotal moment in her life apparently because someone you know she's now an ex and i quote the film and she's drowning her sorrows because obviously she's nearly got nothing else to do but lie on her bed and drink straight from the bottle of a bottle of wine and the person who persuaded her to do all this is lady russell who is again described in the book as being of a steady age and character. So not necessarily the sort of person who would go on foreign holidays just to have easy casual sex. You wouldn't think, would you? But that's our Lady Russell in the book. They obviously didn't read it, did they? (laughs) So, and then you go on. Sorry, I'm just going to just say, uh, I know about bringing something to the modern audience and they put in things that are, to the, to the modern understanding. But if someone is going to Bath and then your sister says, you know what, a five in London is a 10 in Bath, 
But hey, Anne, you'd be a six. What the hey? <laughs> so, so okay, it sounds like you're saying that essentially, did they add things that weren't in the book? Absolutely. And they basically <laughs> lost the whole thing. The whole point of the book is Anne Elliot is now at the age of in her late 20s. She's 27. But in Jane Austen's times, that's basically, you know, 47. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When, when, when she was young and in the boom of her youth, she fell in love with a young naval officer, um, Captain Wentworth. He wasn't a captain then, he was just a rating in the Navy. And she was persuaded by Lady Russell, who basically, when her mother died, Lady Russell became like the feminine influence in her life because her father was like vain and a little bit of a spendthrift. Yeah. So she, Lady Russell was brought in basically to look after the three daughters of this family. And Anne is the middle child. She was the sensible one. The youngest daughter got married. The oldest daughter is very vain, but very beautiful. So she felt that whoever came near her they weren't quite good enough for her so she's still single but Anne she fell deeply in love when she was a younger girl and she was persuaded that because of his lack of money and basically that and his lack of prospects being just a rating in the navy that it wouldn't be the wisest choice to marry her and she listened to this sound advice and so did not marry Captain Wentworth and now nine years later he has been very successful in the Napoleonic Wars. He's taken many prizes. So his personal wealth has grown and therefore his personal eligibility has grown. So mm. from being a poor prospect, he's suddenly become a very attractive prospect. And Anne comes to the realization that when she was persuaded to say no to Captain Wentworth, that she made, it wasn't the best choice. The fact that she didn't, she loved him, but she was persuaded against her better judgment to turn him down. And she has lived with that, and it's been her regret, but she has lived with it. And so she's taken on the role of looking after her, her sister's children, supporting her father, basically being the steady influence in all their lives. Yeah. And when Captain Wentworth comes back, um, because there's a sort of, they want a good story, you know, she's then, yeah. they've been brought into the same circle again, and they, they sort of, they almost like circle each other, where they're both aware of each other and they're, he's restrained by the fact that he, he was turned down and she's restrained by the fact that she turned him down and it and takes then, a whole novel Austin, and all these Jane, things. Jane Austen type things happen. Yeah. And so, and then there's the most perfect scene at the end, which is probably one of the most scenes in English literature but where he writes her a letter. And um, it's all these things just come together beautifully. But there are themes of melancholy, of regret, of... It's, it's just like it's like a if you have a, if a color for a novel and you say like Pride and Prejudice is yellow it's like sunny and it's a it's a and and you've got like Emma is is a joy it's like a springtime novel you would yeah. say Persuasion is like an autumnal novel it's like oranges and browns yeah. it's got a certain tone to it this is not a frivolous young woman this is someone who has lived with their choices and then they just accepted that they may never marry and like Jane Austen and they may live to be dependent upon their relation because it goes it was her final finished book wasn't it yes her final work so a lot of what i've seen is people saying that it's it's widely regarded as her best book because i think it's it, probably her most mature book absolutely it's my yeah. favorite work hands down of all of her novels and, and because and, it has this tone yeah and it, it sounds a little bit that if i may go and we're just when you're talking about the boys it sounds a little bit like they gave the people who ran the boys jane austen's novel and said make a boys version of a jane austen novel yeah i mean some of the characters are just uh, they're just clueless uh, <laughs> and there's scenes in it that are utterly utterly pointless 
I mean, they introduced like the the sort of not he's they're not really an anti-hero almost like um their cousin, um, uh, played by Henry Fielding, who is just Henry like Golding. smirky and creepy. He is not, and again, the character is supposed to be charming, and you almost think when you first meet him, oh, he actually could be Anne's, you know, answer to her problems. Yeah. And then in this book, no, he's just like creepy. And <laughs> Captain Wentworth is just dull. Anne <laughs> is self pitying and borderline alcoholic with a rabbit obsession. None of the other characters have got any. Lady Russell is. Yeah, um, I, I can't, I can't see how anyone who could have read that novel could make that film. I can't, I can't connect these two things. How can you have read that and be moved by that enough to want to adapt it to a film and then put that drivel onto it? And like they had no sense of place or time. The clothes, an absolute mess. They had garments that were from the twenties, and they had them for mid-century. They had them. They were like. All over the place. Yeah, no, no, okay, Hair, no, I, all over the place. Makeup, wrong. Oh, and, now, that's something I actually wanted because I saw the poster for this and I, or I saw a still when this first announced this and they said Persuasion based on a Jane Austen novel and it was going to start Dakota Johnson. And first of all, I mean, the casting of Dakota Johnson may, gives me the willies because because I am I'm like, this sounds like American trying to do an English accent car crash. And it's yeah, because I, I have to admit, I do have it's, it's a prejudice. I guess it was it's a prejudice when you have an American playing an ostensibly English character. I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. This, is... And then I saw the clothes that she was wearing and I was like, really? Is Are you sure this is Jane Austen? <laughs> because yeah. it looked the, the clothes, even from the still that I saw in for a post, I thought that looks way too modern to be a Jane Austen period piece. The cut, just, the line, just for the picture and everything like it just looked it looked wrong to me. Yeah, the, yeah without none trying of the to set it somewhere right. in a different time period, so it wasn't a, a sort of let's shift it to the nineteen twenty. So so, so so yeah, so they haven't shifted it to a different time period. It's supposed to be the no, same. No, it absolutely period. is set in eighteen fourteen. It's supposed to be in the height of the Napoleonic Wars. That's why he's uh, get his fortune by taking prizes during the Napoleonic Wars. So it's clear it's absolutely set then, and he is, you know, wearing sort of not even wearing the right naval uniform. Um, but none of her clothes are right at all. The line and every in each scene, you could probably pick clothes from a different decade. I mean, it's all very well because um, <laughs> people you can pick clothes from like before then because people didn't change their clothes every year. The yeah. fashions may change, but unless you're at the height of fashion, you may say that. Okay, this year the sleeves are like this, or this year the, the neckline is like this. So unless you know your Regency fashion, you weren't going to pick up on that. And often people they keep garments that are older and they reworked them. So older garments, fine, you can work that in. But cut and material and style that was like 20th century, no, it's just not Regency. And some of the hair was modern. It had like it. Women never wore their hair down in public. You just didn't wear it down in public. Yeah. Yeah, it, it 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 seemed like and, they were trying to do something weird with it that I wasn't sure. Yeah, of. and just seemed like some of the social manners, like she, like Anne, the way she behaves is just, it's just not Anne. I mean, there's one scene where she's meeting the Dalrymples, which are their basically their very posh, titled relations, and they're in this sort of drawing room where everything is like very stuffy, and she just says this most ridiculous joke about an octopus. I was just, as you know, how you sort of watch something, and you go. 
what have I just watched? Th- this is this is really really weird. Because if you're going to adapt Jane Austen, I would imagine you wouldn't be walking around like trying really hard to add dialogue. I mean, the dialogue is there. It's written for you. Yeah. Every now and then you'd get like the beginning of a sentence is from Jane Austen and then they suddenly veer off. And so it'd be starting off like the first three lines would be like, oh, they're going to be saying something from the book. And then they just go and say something really stupid. I, I literally could not get my head around this film. I just thought, who is this for? Is this for like the Bridgerton generation? But bearing in mind, the Bridgerton books were bestsellers of like the nineteen early nineteen late nineteen nineties, early noughties, and and they're like they're they're like fun and frivolous. But there is that, and they have sort of stepped to the core of them. But they they haven't done that with this particular book. They haven't sexed it up like sort of like so. They haven't made it like a, an amorous version of preservation. Um, so they, they haven't. But they've just like. What are they trying to do? Are they trying to say to people, look, this is a great work, go read Persuasion? Because anyone who saw that and think that is a version of Persuasion are going to be shocked their back teeth when they actually read the book. Because they're just... I this is why you've changed Austen's writing in her, in her dialogue, because it's so sharp. Yeah, and it's... And so cut. precise. Yeah, she doesn't mess around. She, and it's, it's quite a little tidy little book. It's not a, a great... It's not like War and Peace. I mean, you can... God. Even my hardback version is only like 200 pages long. It's not a great chunk of a book. So what you got in there is not wasted. So why... I, I really want to swear now. But heaven forfend that I do. Yes, yeah, so I think one of the great, one of the great um, achievements of this film is getting Sharon to the point where she would even admit to really wanting to swear. Because Sharon, Sharon, oh my word! I mean, your face at the moment—it's—it's it's kind of like you know when if, you know when you watch a film, you watch a scene in the film, and there's somebody and they're just about to like you know do their big power move, and then all of a sudden wind comes out of nowhere, and then things start racing, and then they start levitating off the ground because they're just so <laughs> filled with rage. That—that that is the picture of Sharon right now. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm a bit hot as well. Like, I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. But especially, I don't. especially because of the the zoom screen, because you're, so, you're at, the, at the bottom of the zoom screen. Every time you move, it looks as if you're just sort of like rising up, rising. Up like, oh, I'm gonna find the people who made this film. <laughs> because yeah, I, uh, yeah. It's been a couple of days since I've seen it. Sorry, Holly. I was saying I can swear at them for you if that helps. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Take closest I could get to is why would you jigger it up? Um. <laughs> 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 well, no, but no, but this this does sound extremely it, it sounds extremely weird it sounds extremely weird it sounds th- okay this sounds to me like somebody got the rights to persuasion and they love persuasion and they've been, and uh, okay this is me creating a whole narrative and they've been trying for ages to get the film made and when someone finally says oh we'll give you some money to make it then you're like yes yes cool let's make this film and so they go hire a director who's never read the book they go hire a whole bunch of people to put them together and then they just keep making concessions because they just want to get the film made and by the time the film is made you're like this looks nothing like like what i envisioned but because and they I do don't... the whole flea bag thing where she talks to the, the camera you know she looks and she smirks at the camera and you get the whole flea bag thing where Suddenly, you know, she's talking straight at you through the screen. Work really well, but the thing is, I I can imagine that working with Jane Austen in some adaptations of Jane Austen. I can imagine that working, but it sounds like 
you would need to have it's a bit like um baz Luhrmann doing romeo and juliet but doing like the old school language but everything is all modern and stuff but that was well yeah, thought uh, out and it was work. actually fun mm. and if you followed things it would through, work you... With... you could do it with emma certainly i think and you could almost probably do it with northanger abbey which yeah. i think would probably work because that's sort of like there's sort of an irony to those sort of self-awareness I dislike Emma, so I hope they don't, because I don't want to have to watch another Emma film, except for, My except least for Clueless, favorite. which I, I do like, which is yeah. weird, because, say, I, I dislike Emma with a passion. Oh, okay, so we're getting to the point where I have to ask the fateful question of how many stars would you give this? But before you say that, I would, <laughs> before you say that, I have to say that reading your Facebook posts about this film have been a delight. I'm sorry that it's a pain for you, but it has been an absolute delight for me. And it's, it's, so I'm going to go through, I just want to say some of the things that Sharon has said about this. So it, be, it, it, it starts off with you, your post saying, okay, I'm going in. My expectations based on the poster alone couldn't be any lower, but here's hoping. This is my favorite Jane Austen book. So it's almost kind of like, there's a very thinly veiled, don't mess it up. And then yeah. afterwards you go, <laughs> as low as my expectations were, they weren't low enough. Unbelievable. Quite honestly, the worst adaptation of any book I've ever seen. What the hell have I just watched? <laughs> and, then, and then you go onto a WhatsApp group and go, Persuasion on Netflix, whatever the bloody hell is, I've just watched it, it wasn't Jane Austen. <laughs> and uh, you go, you talk about the fact about the 1.5. So I know, and, and Holly even went and found somebody, found a review by somebody on, I think he has like a sub stack. Yeah, it's that, I didn't find it. It was just brought to me, courtesy yeah. of Twitter. So, so it was like fate. Yes, he just goes, is Brandon Taylor. Brandon Taylor He's an author of a book called Real Life of Filthy Animals. And his, his article is just, entitled persuasion is a hate crime <laughs> and i think i think you found a lot you found a kindred spirit with brandon taylor where you said that but but faithful word has arrived sharon how many stars would you give this <laughs> I, I, it's not an option i say so we can't give it no stars i would i would have to just say I would, it would, I'd give it a one for the rabbit, which I was almost convinced was real. <laughs> I think for its lack of acting ability, I think I'd even probably take points off of that. So I think the rabbit will give me, um, it will give it one star. We go everyone say, else in that one, Not point one stars, but point one for the rabbit. Yeah, the rabbit will get, I get a nod for the rabbit because I, you know, uh, it was the, you know. Sharon, I think you, you've convinced me. You've convinced me to actually just bring in zero stars. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I needed zero stars last week. Yes, 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 because you had you had your thing with aftermath. Uh, the review of uh, Hollywood review of aftermath is going up online on YouTube tomorrow. If you want to have a go, <laughs> go have a look at that and see how 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 enriched Holly was by the experience of watching that film. But um, should have had so, zero stars, but it wasn't an option for me. Okay, so so yeah, but but you see, Sharon, this this is how deep it goes. With Holly, you have to see. Like, look at Sharon. Look at her. Look at the look at the woman. <laughs> I can. Is something that, some, that some, the, something that's almost sacred to her has been desecrated. Pardon <laughs> me, when I got me, I've, I've almost blurred out some of it. I mean, I've almost almost tried to blank some of it out, so that I've part of me thinking. 
was it really as bad as I thought it was? And I'm like, it absolutely was. Because, you know, I didn't really like the Pride and Prejudice version with Kira Knightley and Matthew McFadden in it. Yeah. And I actually ended up watching that three times, only because <laughs> I watched it and hated it. And then I convinced myself that maybe it couldn't have been that bad, that I had, like, just was prejudiced. So yeah. I thought, it can't be that bad. So I actually watched it again. I thought, this actually sucks. And then I actually watched it a third time, because, again, I'd convinced myself after about a year thinking, Maybe I was just a bit hasty. Maybe it couldn't really be that bad. Maybe and then just the I still hate it. Love. And so part of me is thinking, I never want to watch this again. I don't care if people then say it's actually a work of hidden genius and, and you know, it's just one of those hidden gems in 10 years' time. I never want to see this again. Okay. I never so, want to have it mentioned in my presence ever okay, again. Okay, okay, but uh, just a couple of times, just before before we <laughs> totally consign it to the rubbish bin, to the rubbish, yeah. the, to the incinerator <laughs> of history, before we consign it to the incinerator of your yeah. mind, um, would you say Bridgerton was a better adaptation of Jane Austen, even though it isn't, than this is? Yes. All right, cool. Because at least that's joyful, and at least that is fun. And, and has, has, book, some, has some of the same sensibilities. Yeah, I mean, it's not Jane Austen because it is effectively just a, a modern love story about it, isn't it? And that is in some ways an exploration of sort of a woman's sexuality and how in some people regard the Regency as being, um, if you lift their skirts, they've got legs of straw, I think it's been described, because people don't regard them as being like real women um, yeah. because they've got, they're sort of stuck in this time capsule. But yeah. I think with Jane Austen, they are real breathing living women and i think so in terms of what bridgerton did it was they it was like a it was like a, the, 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 the naughty 90s they're sort of lady porn books but of a better quality than some so okay. i think yeah it adapted it was like joyful it was freeing it was just it was just fun whereas there was nothing about this was not freeing or liberating hey baby all right cool we have had we've had callie the cats Callie Neslin has, br has crashed the podcast. Um, Sean's uh, nephew, Sean's nephew Charlie, crash crashed the podcast in the past. Sharon's mum has crashed the podcast, and yeah. Kemi, my daughter, was just feeling a bit left out. Uh, Max so, has now also crashed the podcast. Hey, there you go, cat. Hey, hello, Maxie. Yeah, he looks a he looks a little bit less disinterested than his sister. <laughs> all right go right, cool. and then the other question i was going to ask is of all the things you said that were wrong about this I'm, I'm trying to go after my prejudice dakota johnson does she convince us an english person that was probably the least of my woes i didn't really register much about her accent so it obviously didn't offend as much because i thought there was so much else to be horrified by that i didn't even <laughs> register that <laughs> she is you're talking that she could have been speaking in a texan drawl and you wouldn't have noticed I probably wouldn't have gone, I wouldn't have bothered that because I think nearly every scene there was, I, I think I paused this film about 15 times literally just to go, oh my goodness me. Okay, let's go in for another bit. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, in that case. Uh, Not the mild language. Okay, okay. Sh Sharon, Sharon, you have done great work. You have done great service. Please do go lie down in a corner and uh, and begin the process of expunging this film from your memory. Yeah. I think when they, after I finish the book I'm currently reading, I might just have to go and reread it again. Just yes. so this is the dominant version of persuasion that I remember. Yes, do Sending it. Sending a fan your way. <laughs> yes, just be like, okay. <laughs> okay, and now, Holly, we go over to you and what you have seen this week. So I believe you are going to be talking about The Lincoln Lawyer. Well, it's either that or 
not quite the worst film I've ever seen. So I'm, I'm sort of umming and ahhing. So I'm actually going to veer towards the not worst film I've ever seen. That was a straight to video. Because, you know, why not keep the scores low? So today I decided, because I need some background viewing, to watch um, a film that Amazon presented to me called Ice Sharks. Go on, go on. I mean, with that title, you know exactly what you're letting yourself in for. I know, but I have a, I have a strange fondness for bad shark films. I have a feeling that you have absolutely nobody to blame but yourself for this. I do. This is this is true. I'm not I'm not seeking to you know pass responsibility onto anyone else. I mean, I I have watched Avalanche Sharks, the film about you know sharks that are the spirits of a mountain that swim through snow, combining scantily clad women, hot tubs, and snowboarding, uh, a genre that most people did not see coming and yet exists or uh ghost shark the ghost of a great white shark that can only attack you when you're wet so watch out for leaking a fire hydrants you know that's have you seen shark octopus uh, that is that i have not octopus 100 deadly i will have to add that to my list so um the climbs the tree to kill a mariachi dancer <laughs> i so have to watch that. <laughs> so Ice Sharks is set in the Arctic and there are some people out on some sort of elevated rig that looks a little bit like an oil rig but not quite and they are doing research on something that is never entirely made clear but is probably vaguely to do with wildlife or not to do with wildlife it could be something totally different and it begins with a man heading out across the snow and ice with a team of very lovely huskies and i'm i like huskies who doesn't like huskies lovely dogs uh, so, let, let me guess ice sharks ice sharks hate huskies uh, they may have done, but they do do it immediately. First, we find a polar bear that's eating. I don't know what the polar bear's eating. The polar bear's eating something, and the man with the huskies gets his binoculars out and says, oh, look, the polar bear. And it slowly becomes apparent that the polar bears are being weird or something. Again, never quite clear. And then suddenly the polar bear disappears, and the man is heading towards slightly the edge of the ice. And then the huskies start being dragged into the water, and there's blood everywhere, and then he gets dragged into the water behind, pouring at the ice. It's all, you know, really yeah. good quality. And you see a shark leaping out of the water. And then, you know, everybody goes, gosh, where is he? Who knows? And then off some people head from the oil rig thing, who are possibly looking for him, it's not entirely clear. And lo, they end up near the edge, and then the guy gets thrown in as the shark attacks them, and it's all very dramatic, and there's throwing of ropes and uh, skidoos and dragging people out of the water. Very, very exciting stuff. Yeah. And they get back, and they say, having previously identified that there was a pungent smell, they say, oh, these were Greenland sharks, but different. <laughs> Uh, Greenland sharks are an actual type of shark and they <laughs> live for an inordinately long time and they have very slow metabolisms and they swim very deep and they're pretty chilled out and they don't bother anybody. So they conclude that this is a Greenland shark but more exciting and we start heading a little into sort of um, 
the Meg territory with, well, they haven't been seen, isolated, never come this far south, melting ice shelves, <gasps> the drama, the excitement, somehow they end up attacking where they, they are. <coughs> may, may I just say for the record that... People fall in the water. May I just say for the record that I cannot believe we're actually seriously reviewing this film. We but, are. Must <laughs> <laughs> be dumb. Because I, I, feel, I feel like I could give you the review. But... Must <laughs> be good. But I feel that sometimes one needs to really lower the bar, lower the bar, except I don't think this can actually be persuasion, which is worrying. <laughs> so lots of excitement happens. They end up underwater. They end up getting sharks chasing. And there are all sorts of, I wouldn't say interesting, it's probably overstating it, but little parallels to and, and little sort of references to Jaws and to Deep Blue Sea. And you get all of these things what? that... If you know what you're looking at and you have a penchant for watching varying quality shark films, that you see the themes happening. And obviously lots of people end up dead and it's all... Yeah, well, well the, the fact is that when, you, when you're describing the opening scene, I was like, that sounds like a poor man's jaws. I mean, I mean, I could, I could already see... It is. Somebody- that someone's going, ooh, oh, how about this? Ooh, ooh, this is Jaws in the Arctic. But- <laughs> it's less subtle than Jaws. And it's a slightly odd thing to say, but Jaws in the way it... No, no, Jaws is a very subtle film. It's, and certainly, and having read the book of Jaws as well, it's, I find Jaws an interesting film in general. And I've just watched a documentary about the woman who helped with some of the filming of Jaws, which again is very, very interesting and shark conservation and sorts of stuff. Oh, yeah. So it's, which are genuinely worth a conversation about at some point and Jaws and the impacts on the world but this has yeah little bits that are a little akin to jaws but not as good there are bits that are strongly reminiscent of deep blue sea but not as good there's certainly no samuel L. jackson moment <laughs> a bit of a spoiler but it was like that was a that, that, I mean, I mean, okay, okay, okay. okay. I'm, going, I'm going to veer yeah. away. I'm going to veer away to talk about, so to, 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 to talk about a better film. And just, just to say, Deep Blue Sea, that's an old Jackson moment. I remember being oh. in the cinema and that happening. And there was a, there was a there, there was just a, a mixture of, oh, man, that is awesome. And what? And what is this film? And also, there's a little bit of, well, I kind of expected that. But still, what? Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah. It was, I, and this does not have a Samuel L. Jackson. No, no, oh because God, you no. don't care who anybody is, and there's no Samuel L. Jackson in it. I didn't know who anybody was. I One mean, woman, but, kind of familiar. No, I mean, come on, it, it, it's called Ice Sharks. What were you expecting? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I have to say, it lived up to my expectations, which were very low. So I went into it not expecting a good film. And I watched it and it wasn't a good film, but it was actually better than I expected because so, my expectations were very low. Okay, uh, okay. so sometimes I remember that one of my... One of my favourite film-watching experiences was watching a film called Best of the Best 3. Now, Best of the Best was a martial arts franchise. <laughs> yeah, I, know, yeah. I know that franchise. Yes, you know, you know yeah. It, it was a martial arts franchise from the 90s when everything was, a martial, everything was about the martial arts. And the first one had Eric Roberts and 
Ooh, I can't remember who the other person was in, in it with him, but it had Eric Roberts in it, Eric uh, Roberts' brother. Uh-huh. And they, by the time we get to the third one, I mean, this was like some direct-to-video nonsense, and only people who have, like, it's a bit like, uh, it was similar to No Retreat, No Surrender. No Retreat, No Surrender, yeah. and Best of the Best. Those those are sort of franchises where only certain people who were into sort of, like, 80s action slash martial arts movies will understand this, or, like, American ones would understand what that is. And I remember Best of the Best 3 is a rubbish film. But I had one of my favorite film-watching experiences watching Best of the Best 3 because I and the group of people who were, this was when we were in A-levels at the time, just sat down there, and it was just about, it was like a gag fest from beginning to end of who could make the next joke about the film. And we just spent 90 minutes throwing jokes back and forth at each other and ripping it out of this film. And I, still today, it is one of my favorite film-watching uh, film um experiences so did you have something like this with this terrible film but you enjoyed it because you knew it was terrible and you're expecting terrible and all that that kind of that's that's where i'm going with i did i did it was it was diabolical but it was not as i say it was better than ghost shark it was better than avalanche sharks it was better than two-headed sharks which shark which has a weird morality tale to it it's <laughs> as is traditional with many horror films it's only those who are promiscuously die of and the course yes the worse the death have sex you die yeah sex die you know threesome my god it's gruesome it's gonna be a <laughs> carnage exactly so this didn't didn't possess those particular elements of awful horror so it it stepped itself up in some ways and down in others because it didn't have those you know classic truly idiotic moments <laughs> but it was a and it you know but it did have all of these lovely points of commonality with other other bad, shark movies good shark movies i mean all i right. think deeply so, is great um, genre two and, th- two and three well no, another I, thing. I, 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 um, I will I will go to bat for Deep Blue Sea any day of the week. That's a film yeah. that was so much better than it had any right to be. <laughs> Have you seen two and three though? What? Oh yeah. No. Okay. No. Just no. They <laughs> <laughs> like, like, have to be seen to be believed, and even then. You I mean, no. I mean that 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 is that that's one of those things. Like, essentially, if you told me Deep Blue Sea two, that's like saying ice sharks. I mean, <laughs> that's just that's is just. It- this is devoid of any ideas. This is this is this is ooh, this is morally bankrupt. That's yes, that's it. Morally bankrupt. That that's why this one is being made. But okay, never mind. Ice Sharks has more potential reality to it than Deep Blue Sea Two. But how many stars would you give Ice Sharks if it's worth it? I think it's going to get a one and a half. And okay. I know halves are you know questionable but it yep. was not the worst thing i've ever seen and as we're now saying maybe we consider zeros <laughs> I, i'm I sorry i'm sorry persuasion persuasion has broken the podcast persuasion has just is, is destroyed all reality <laughs> nothing means anything anymore <laughs> so no i think i'm gonna i'm gonna stretch to a one and a half it's awful it really is awful but it's better than the really really awful ones and it was the cgi was a little better than I expected. What's the name of What's the name of that? Okay, so Sharon, I think you know this. This is in the in the same realm as the um, uh, bad shark movies on sci-fi thing, but it's essentially somebody trying to make the birds with no money whatsoever. Where birds is is it called like bird apocalypse or something like that? There's a few apocalypse films out there. There's there's zombie and. Robe and 
yeah, all sorts yeah. of other apocalypses. But I'm not. Yeah, I'm sure there is one a cheap version no, of the. Birds. Oh no, I've seen I've seen scenes from this, and it's one of those things where you go be like, oh, God loves a trier. It's, it's, one of, it's, one of, it's one of those things where you're, you're watching it going, uh, this cannot be serious. I mean, seriously, the people who made this film must know it's rubbish, must have set out to make something, and that must be the joke. But they but they made a sequel to it. There's <laughs> and, those film and, channels, isn't there, where you get these sort of random things in the afternoon. Uh, is it like action movies or something where you do get some of them and you just think you had obviously nothing to put on this afternoon, did you? Yeah, well, 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 that that would be another uh, or horror be... exclamation mark. They have some really random films on there. Yeah, but I think that would be that would be another podcast. There's a podcast yeah, called. Say, How... There's there's also okay. got to be a whole other conversation at some point about the birds, which is never as good as the book. And oh, it's right, one okay. of those where it's worth an entire conversation about films which are just cannot live up to the book, and the birds is completely one of them because. The book I, is so it's Du and it's so much more frightening. I, I think I, I think I, to, to be honest with you, I, I think like the the a more surprising conversation would be films that ended up being better than the book because oh. I think like I actually I think that saying that a film is not as good as a book as the book that it's based on is kind of part for the course because I I actually think it's very very difficult and nigh impossible for a film to be as good as a book that it's based on. I, I just I don't think it's possible, quite frankly. But well, if but, I was going to say the birds copped out with its ending, the film. Oh yeah, the book was of the birds. I mean, I must remember reading it and then turning the last page, thinking, "Is that it? Is that where you're going to leave me?" <laughs> 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 just keeps. I literally went, oh, you know, you're reading to the last bit and then going, oh, and then ah. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm getting vibes about the ending of the film The Mist, like akin to the ending of the film The Mist. But anyway, but oh sh- yes, yeah, yeah. The ending of the film The Mist. That is that is one of the most yeah. That, and that, that, series that, of it as well. Which that, I think that, that's that's one of the most. I would say would you say the 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 greatest endings in cinema history. It's probably one of the greatest endings. Is definitely one of the most. It's one of the endings that would stay with you for absolute ages after you watch the film the ending of the film the mist right okay cool and now i think we're pretty much out of time and i was going to leave this until next week but then i realized that i would have finished watching something else next week and then that would be all done so this is the only time i'm really going to get to talk about this so i'm going to say, talk about the sea beast, beast quickly so the sea beast is an animation on netflix and this is done by the guy who directed big hero 6 and big hero 6 if you haven't watched it that is an absolute brilliant film Big Hero 6 is one of those films that you just sort of think they, they caught lightning in the bottle when they made this. So this guy is, he is, the, they've created this world that's a bit kind of like, you know, pirate era England. And I'm never really sure whether it's England or whether it's, it, it, essentially it's, it's a made up world. It has elements of all sorts of things in there. They have a king and the queen and then the king and the queen's palace, when you go to it, it looks like it's something more like mainland European and all that. You have Carl Urban who plays the main character. Who, uh, who he's a guy called Jacob, who he's, they're, they're, they're called hunters, because in this world you have sea beasts, you have massive um, underground beasts, some of them which reminded me of of some of the monsters in the film Love and Monsters, there's a crab monster in this that looks okay. very much like the crab monster in Love and Monsters, and, um, and they go and they fight them, because in this world the king and queen have said, 
these monsters historically came onto the land and they came onto the land and they would snatch women right from their beds. So we need to go out there, we need to kill all these monsters and we need to bring them back as trophies and to keep the kingdom safe. So you have a whole bunch of people. One of them is played by Jared Harris. He's the captain of the ship. You have Kyle Urban playing Jacob, who was a boy who were, who he was on a ship that got destroyed by a monster and he lost his whole family on it. And the first shot of this film is beautiful. The first shot of this film is just kind of atmospheric and straight away you're like, okay, this might not just be some by the numbers animation thing. This they might have put some work in here. And um and um so you see him and he gets he ends up on this ship with Captain, I can't remember his name, but it's played by Jared Harris. Then there is a girl who is an orphan and is in an orphanage somewhere in a place that looks very much like London, even though I don't think they ever call it London. But it's very kind of like very sea urchin, very Peter Pan, very Oliver. Oh, yeah, miss. Yeah, I'm going to be an auntie, am I? That, <laughs> that kind of stuff. <laughs> and she leaves, she leaves the orphanage and she stows away on the boat and she goes on adventures with them. And you start finding out there's this one particular monster that they're after called the, the Red Bluster, which is kind of like, the, like, we need to get this monster. We need to kill this monster. But as you carry on with this, you start realizing that maybe not everything is as it says it was. And maybe the monsters are not who you've been told they are. And so for something that starts looking like a kid's film, it actually ends up having some sort of layers of morality to it. So it's not as black and white as bad guy, good guy, or anything like that. And the Red Bluster... If you remember the film How to Train Your Dragon, have either of you ever seen it? Sharon, I know there's... Yes. there's yeah, it's yeah. lovely. How to Train Your Dragon is brilliant. And you know Toothless in How to Train Your oh. Dragon. The Red Bluster is essentially like a massive Toothless. Imagine, imagine Toothless blown up to the size of a skyscraper and you have the Red Bluster. <laughs> he even looks like a red Toothless. <laughs> Yeah, so I would I can really really recommend the Sea Beast. I thought it was really good. I thought it was a cut above because you when it comes to animation, you have Pixar at the top. Then you have maybe like DreamWorks and all that. And then you have all these other things that just get thrown out there and a bit rubbish. And because it's on Netflix, you think it could be one of those that just gets thrown out. But this is actually quite high. And when you talk about what it talks about, who lies and morality and who says what and what you got to it's it's I think it's actually quite complicated. And it's an especially I was watching it with my daughter. And the fact that the main girl, Maisie, Maisie, I can't remember what her last name was, but she she's black and she has like, you know, she has like a frizzy hair and everything like that. And and I think my daughter was just so transfixed because I think my daughter was kind of going, hang on a second. She looks a bit like me. And I was like, I don't see that that often in animation. I really don't see that often uh -huh. in animation. So for me, I would give this a four out of five. I'll say go watch it. I think Jared Harris, especially voice wise, is quite good. Carl Urban is doing his billy butcher from the boys accent which is like oh i'm kind of english am i and <laughs> yeah but it's um and i think the animation is the animation is lovely there's a bit where they go to a monster island and there are some monsters on the, on that island that are just holly i think you might have a cute sub like cuteness overload <laughs> watching this i think i may be watching this later yeah i think i think it was, so i would i would recommend the sea beast not just for kids, but just but, but if you like good stories, yes. And if you can handle the animation, yes. Sharon, I know that sort of like rules you out. You cannot handle the animation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, normally I would be strong-armed to go see a film a year, an animation a year. I haven't seen an animation for about three years. So, you know, I might better force myself to watch it, but I can't really. I Have I got you a list? I've got you a list. <laughs> I'll make you a list. <laughs> but no, but if, if you can, I think story-wise... I... I'd I like do to not, put I in Kanto. 
on the list. Encanto and, and Moana should be on the list. Okay, Moana, yes. I'm less enamored with Encanto. I reviewed Encanto on the show. I was less enamored with Encanto. Moana I'm, is my preferred of the two. Yeah, I think Moana is better. And if I had to choose between the Sea Beast and Encanto to watch again, I would choose the Sea Beast. Oh. Yeah, I would choose the Sea Beast over Encanto to watch again. All right, that is it from us today. Oh. Until next you week. You haven't given us your rating, though. Oh, oh, no, because I distracted you. Oh, I thought I thought it said four. How many? I, I gave it a four, four out of five. Four, it's out, a four five. out of five. Cool. Well, I have I just remembered another scene from Persuasion that made my blood boil, but I have <laughs> Well, there's a scene where she's hiding behind a tree to go to the toilet. She just has a, she pulls a scrub, she goes to the wee, and she's like eavesdropping on a conversation, and then she stays there, and the only thing I could think of was like, are you still sitting in your own wee? <laughs> because I thought, if you if you do we under a tree, it and it's a dry day, it's just going to spread all over the floor. Yeah, and so the last thing you want to be doing is like kneeling right there. So I'm thinking the, either she didn't wee behind a tree and they haven't worked this one out, they haven't thought about this, or she has weed under a tree and then she's sitting in her own wee and her skirt and wearing a very long skirt. Her skirt is going to be not very nice. This okay. The, the, this I know what this is making me think of. This is making me think of a student film where they think they what they need to do is they need to be edgy yes. they need to be edgy and they need to be like oh yeah jane austen that's all stuffy and old isn't it so we're gonna change it up we're gonna have her drinking out of a bottle we're gonna have a pee behind a tree that never happens in the story we don't care because we're students and we're gonna change everything and then uh 10 years later they look back and they go oh my word that was stupid what was that all about? Not our finest hours. No. <laughs> all right, cool. Thank you very much. I would like to add, though, two series coming up that I'm really excited about. Don't say House uh, of the Dragon. Yeah, House of the Dragon uh, <laughs> and Rings of Power. Uh, <laughs> okay, I haven't, I've, I've avoided watching any of the trailers, so I quite like sometimes to watch them without anything well, i've i've read that because i've got um fire and blood like george R. R. martin which is where um comes from yeah so i've read that so i do know some of what's coming but i've already seen in the trailer it's not quite it's well, not quite that yeah claudia claudia read that Claudia's read that so essentially i am not a fan of prequels I think, generally speaking, I've come down on that I'm not a fan of prequels. And the fact that both of these are prequels sent thousands of years before the stuff that you cared about. 200. Uh, 200. 200 in, what, in which case? Uh, that... Um, no, no, I mean, it, it, House, House of the Dragon is 200, 200, but Rings of Power is a lot longer. That's got to be... It's, got, it's that, that's thousands. Yeah, thousands. That's, 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 is that and, Ellen Hill in there? Yeah, and I just, I just, I'm just like, oh, I don't want to. <laughs> I, I actually want to, I want to watch it, but the bit I'm knocked about is that the stuff they've got in there is based on the Silmarillion, except I don't think, and I've never made it through all of the Silmarillion because I just don't have that much time on my hands. All that because much. you actually have a life and you want to go do it's, other things. It's harder to read than, uh, than um, War and Peace, and I've never finished War and Peace. Or oh, I liked War and Peace. <gasps> Do it. I've tried <laughs> five, six times. Never happens. I just get bored. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Someday maybe. But it's yeah, the summer really is just dense. But I think um 
yeah, Rings of Power is based on much the Silmarillion, except I don't think there are hobbits in the Silmarillion. No, so there, there, not, there, there aren't hobbits no. in the Rings of Power. There are some, there are some things called Harfoots. Who, which are hobbits. Who, who, who are the predecessors to hobbits, apparently. Mm. One of them is okay. played by Lenny Henry. Okay. Unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've read I'm stuff about it. A point I've in its favour. I've read stuff about it. I just not particularly in in not not that interested. But uh, I like Tolkien. But until next week, when um, hopefully they'll release something in cinema <laughs> that we get to watch. I think well, I mean, there's the League of Super Pets coming. There's um, there's which may or may not watch, but we'll see. But if it, anyway, until next week, it's a goodbye from me. Goodbye for me. Goodbye for me. And a good vibe from Sean, but he left ages ago. Don't worry, we weren't just ignoring him. He actually did leave. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. See ya. Ah, oh, we got through it. <laughs>